Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol related podcast all about the beloved Doom Patrol. Hi, I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, H-I-X. And you can also send us emails to waitingfordoom at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Facebook, whatever you do that with. Um, <laughs> there's a Doom Patrol related blog at mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com. That's run by our buddy Doug. Um, and we also have WaitingForDoom.com now, which is a website about Waiting for Doom, which is the podcast you're listening to. Um, check it out. It's more visual than this. And <laughs> we're also available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean.com. Yes, hello. I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. You can also find on Twitter our sentient show account, who is Wilfred. He's at WFDPod. G'day, Wilfred. And so this week on Waiting for Doom, about the beloved Doom Patrol, who we all love so very, very much. We are finally getting to Volume 5, one of my favourite volumes. It's, oh, finally, at last. It's, it's, it, I have to say, I, it's, it's a beloved volume, of mine anyway. So, <laughs> anyway, Paul, how has your week and a bit been since we last spoke? Uh, life is in chaos, but uh, things are good in the world of comics, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't had time to read anything except for DC OCD reading. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we're having a good time. And, you know, um, apart from that, I was going to see Hellboy, but now not so much. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. I've uh, you, You've seen some of the uh, the mixed reviews as well, have you? <laughs> well, first it got rated R, which means it's not going to be shown at my local cinema. So, mm, uh, yeah, mm. yes, I. it's suddenly become very inconvenient to get to it. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll I think I hold off. I might uh, borrow it from the library when it, uh, the library buys it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what about you? How's your week? Uh, it's It's been a good week. A little bit light on in reading, uh, although um, I did recently purchase The Golden Age of Batman, Volume 2, uh, which has issues of... Batman, Detective Comics, World Best Comics, and World's Finest Comics from uh, the early 1940s. So, uh, continuing on with my love affair with Detective Comics, uh, this one has issues 46 and 56 of that series in particular, and I'm I'm loving it so much because it's just so silly. Uh, There's one issue where Batman and Robin fight pirates. And there's another one where they discover that the Joker has hired uh, performers from a circus to help him rob rich people in Gotham. Oh, <laughs> it's just okay. it's just so silly, but it's it's really enjoyable. Other than that, uh, I recently uh, went to Melbourne with my, my lovely fiancée, Kylie. Uh, we checked out a couple of acts at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, those being Maria Bamford. Um, she, some people might know her from her Netflix show, Lady Dynamite. Uh, she was she was hilarious and um, comedy musical comedy duo, uh, two sisters who perform under the name of Flo and Joan, and they had us in stitches. I'm a big fan of Flo and Joan. Just they do such fantastic songs. You can find some of their stuff on YouTube. Uh, and even funnier, we um, it was a smallish room that we saw them in, 
and there were empty seats in the front row. So Silly Mike goes, hey, empty seats, let's just grab them. They're right there. Silly Mike forgets about a little thing called audience participation. <laughs> so, so Flo and Joan come on and everyone cheers and they do this song that welcomes, you know, good people and tells bad people to get out, basically, you know, if you're a member of the KKK or you wear Crocs or both. Uh, so they finish that song and they, they start looking in the audience and, and they point directly at Kylie. <laughs> And they no. say, what, what's your name? She says, Kylie. And they say, oh, do you have any hobbies? Kylie's... <laughs> Kylie thinks to herself, I should say I'm into true crime podcasts, which she is. She loves the true crime stuff. What came out of her mouth, though, was murder. <laughs> so... <laughs> so the whole room roared with laughter. And then uh, one of the sisters just looks at her and says, I'm sorry, did you just say murder is your hobby? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the lesson has been learnt that uh, we avoid front row seats from now on for the rest of time for any comedy shows we go to. But it was uh, it was a great weekend away. Uh, well, you know, just just checking out Melbourne. I've only this is only the second time in my entire life I've been to Melbourne, and I really like it as a city. I don't like driving in it though. This was the uh-huh. first time I drove in Melbourne. A little bit, a little bit scary. Um, yeah, so I'm sure anyone from Melbourne listening to this is just going, oh, Mike, you're just from, you know, a, a big little town. What would you know? But I tell you what, when trams are racing alongside you, it gets a little bit stressful. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so um, uh, that, that was pretty much... Uh, my last long weekend um, away down in Melbourne. I did uh, check out a comic store there and picked up some old issues of Detective Comics. So uh, that was a nice little find uh, there. But yeah, it's um, it's it's not been too much in in the way of comic actual reading. So I'll get there one day. You know, I, I believe I have to uh, uh, get prepped for a, a little something called Fifty Two. Uh, for DCOCD, so ah, yes. that, that, that's that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think about uh, the DCOCD hiatus. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're lucky, Dr. Herfenstöfner might prescribe a bit of a, a rest for you. <laughs> well, that would be delightful. <laughs> anyway, how about we move on and have a look at some Doom news? I don't think there is any, but okay. Well, uh, Doom News. For the second time in the history of this podcast, we have got news of a Doom Patrol comic returning. Woohoo! Yes, so uh, it's the triumphant return of Young Animal with a new Doom Patrol number one uh, subtitled Weight of the World. Mm. So, yeah, I, I would call this Doom Patrol Volume 7. Volume, uh, volume I, 7. Yeah, I think that's that's the only way we can go with it because I believe it's going to be a new number one issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, this one, it's got uh, Jeremy Lambert writing with Gerard Way. Apparently, uh, like I predicted, they have been writing away and there are uh, issues already written and mm. they have... Oh, who do they have on art? There's quite a collection. I, I believe it's it's a gent by the name of James Harvey for the opening, but uh, there's also going to be Becky Cloonan, Doc Shainer. Doc Shainer is going to be drawing Doom Patrol. You have no idea how in love with that 
Uh, sorry, I can't even talk. Doc Shana, one of my all-time favorite artists, doing Doom Patrol. Can you tell I'm a little bit excited by this, Paul? <laughs> I can. Yes, I detect that. <laughs> and Becky Cloonan, she was originally attached to do Doom Patrol before mm. Young Adam started. And, yeah. Um, her version didn't really get off the ground with Gerard Way, but uh, yeah, it's fantastic that this is happening now. Yep. And uh, Nick Derrington is on covers, so yes. not completely gone, but uh, gone more than not gone. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's still there. He's still part of the family. So yeah, yeah. And there's a great. Uh, I presume it is the finished cover, but it shows uh, the team uh, in some sort of uh, dimensional background. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a dog on the cover, a Doom dog. Yes, Doom puppy. Yes, yeah. very excellent. And uh, this new cover also allows us to take a drink because it's <laughs> just got uh, Robot Man's head there in Jane's hands. Yeah, uh, but it has the whole gang. There's Rita, there's Flex, there's Casey, there's Fug, there's Lucius, mm. Lucius returning, and um, there's a very sullen-looking lotion yes. in his uh, leather jacket. And, uh, yeah, a very chill negative man. Mm-hmm. And um, the dog, of course, and yeah. Cliff's head. Yes, take a drink. So very exciting stuff, uh, but apparently it will. It's a new volume, but it does pick up after the events of Milk Wars, uh, in which uh, yeah, Cliff Steele is now a man. Mm. Who is a man? Who is a man? man yep, yeah, man, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not robot man anymore, no, but uh, nobot yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll be interested to see if this correlates with the TV show in any way, or. Or feeds off the characterization that we're getting there, which um, you know originally I was like, oh, I think the comic should do its own thing. But good golly, the TV show is firing on all cylinders. Oh, so. isn't it just? Isn't it just? Look, before we get on to talking about the recent TV apps, I do want to say I, I think I think this comic is going to do its own thing because apparently they're going to go off into outer space. Oh, apparently they're going to um, check out. <laughs> they're going to be meeting some fanatical fitness fiends. And something called the Marathon Eternal. Ooh. So yeah, mm. so yes. I, I think at this stage it's going to be its own thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's the promise that it will be a sort of fun take on the Doom Patrol and uh, a bit more uh, effortless than the earlier parts of Young Animal, mm. where it was a bit of a stress to write, apparently. But mm. um, yeah, and of course Jeremy Lambert helping out. He was involved with issue twelve of the last run. Yep. Um, so yeah, he's back. So yeah, excellent. I'm, I'm glad he's still hanging around because yeah, I, I did enjoy his stuff. A little bit disappointed he did not hook a brother up, as I've been asking the last few episodes. <laughs> but you know, I'm 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 very I, I, we I can't even talk properly. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm very happy that it's coming back. Yeah. So, uh, did you watch Danny Patrol? Did I ever? Holy crap! I well, Paul, what a time to be alive. We have Danny <laughs> the Street on TV. I was a little bit worried as to how they were going to do it, but my God, they pulled it off in spades. It was... You know how I said episode six with the uh, original Doom Patrol team being in it was my favourite episode? Yep. That has now been eclipsed by this episode because they did such a fantastic job. And to me, the message that was in this episode that, that no one has the right to make you feel uncomfortable in your own skin was such an important message to get out there. And for me personally, that's always been one of the things I've loved about the Patrol. The fact that they're all weird, they're all different, but they still try and do the right thing. And and I know people say, well, that's just the X-Men. But, you know, the X-Men have so much 
infighting and internal mutant politics going on. Whereas the patrol are just like, hey, those dudes over there are doing something wrong. We need to put a stop to it. And uh, the Bureau of Normalcy, you know, all that stuff that has come from the Morrison case stuff as well. Uh, And, you know, the people that just want to be themselves and just want to live their lives being told, well, no, you're different, so you're wrong. Uh, and the patrol sticking up for them. Well, part of the patrol sticking up for them in this. They weren't all there. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the team are off dealing with um, crazy Karen and yeah. <laughs> and her yes. wedding plans. Mm, yeah, <laughs> marriage obsessed uh, Karen. Yes. the uh, version of like, uh, crazy Jane who wants to get married and can mind control her uh, partner to do so. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I, I gotta admit, um, I. I get why they did the Karen story to sort of lead into the Jane Patrol episode, which I have yet to see because I've been, you know, a very busy travelling man, uh, <laughs> travelling to different cities. But Danny Patrol, it was so well done. Uh, I just, I, I love that episode so much for the way it was done and the writing in it. And hey, the musical number as well. Who doesn't love a good musical number in it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's terrific. And uh, I'm just really enjoying... I, th- I think I like the show when it's sort of veered a little bit away from horror and gore. Yes. So, yeah, I th- I'm more comfortable with it as a show. And uh, you know, my wife, uh, she watched the first two episodes and was like, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I think she would quite happily enjoy um, Danny Patrol. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and Jane Patrol as well, which was... Uh, I was, uh, you know, a little nervous about it because investigating the... The history of the damage that's uh, occurred to, mm. to Jane, you know, it's uh, it needs to be delicately handled and yes. sensitively. And this really was, and it was a really good depiction of the underground. So, uh, in when Jane manifests her people on the uh, on the outside, she basically has the same body most of the time, unless mm-hmm. she's uh, a giant flaming sun person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but in the underground, um, they all have different actors. Pl- portraying her different personalities that she interacts with, which I thought was really um, a clever way of doing it. And mm. Yeah, and you got some lots of bits and pieces from the comics, like Miranda and The Well and, uh, you know, the Driver 8 and mm. all the, Yeah, it was, it was great and it was really well done and, you know, gave Jane... Um, I wouldn't say it... it I mean, it, she walked away from The Well with Cliff's help and mm-hmm. we had that, you know, the famous scene from the, the comics with... Um, Cliff getting past Black Annis by saying, I'm not a man, and, uh, yeah, it was just really well done. So, yeah, terrific app, and, yeah, the show is just getting better and better, and, mm. yeah, I can't think of a comic book show that's, you know, gone for nine episodes and been this strong throughout, so. Yeah. Now, I also have to say kudos to you, sir, for setting up the Doom Patrol TV bingo cards. <laughs> uh, and thanks to Jane Patrol, yes, uh, we've got two updates to that. Uh, card one has The Well marked on it, and card 8 has Black Annis marked on it. However, I would like to put forth the case for another square to get marked off, if I may present my yeah. case to the bingo card court. Your okay, honor. yes. <laughs> on card 7, uh, line 2, position 1, Right. Uh, we have anti-doom patrol protesters. Oh. Now, in episode 3... We open that episode with Jane putting up flyers for the missing chief. Yes, yes, and I remember this. She, she's listening to um, that brilliant song "Rebel Girl" with her headphones in, unaware that there is a crowd trailing her, 
and they're all torn down. Flies is already put up, and they're waving at her and yelling and swearing and saying, "You wrecked our town! Get out of here! We don't want you!" I submit to the court of TV bingo cards that that would uh, equate to anti Doom Patrol protesters. Um, I've got one word to ask you. Mm-hmm. Placards. Oh, okay. You're being that specific. Okay. It's not a protest unless there's placards and signs. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I see that the court has uh, shanghaied me on a technicality. Um, I await uh, placards. <laughs> fair, fair play, Your Honour. Fair play. Uh, thank you for your time, and I'll see myself out. <laughs> okay. Now, um, we do technically... I mean, there is a question about Doom Patrol TV bingo card number three because uh, I have there Cliff loses a leg as an option and in uh, Jane Patrol, he lost his lower half. Oh. So, it's, yeah, that's a, almost, almost. <laughs> You're talking specifically a leg and nothing but. Yes, I think right. I am. Wow. Ha- okay, Your Honour, harsh but fair. <laughs> <laughs> Very strict rulings in this TV bingo card court. I know, I know. Um, but if if you're listening to this and you've, you want to see the card, just head over to waitingfordoom.com and you can look at the cards. They're uh, linked off the front page. Mm-hmm. And if you have any submissions that you would like to add to, you know, help us create more bingo cards, so things that you've thought of, yeah, just let us know. Mm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, it's looking good for the Beard Hunter. Oh, isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm a bit... A little bit disappointed he doesn't look more like his comic book counterpart, but what they've presented us with in the preview for this week had has me laughing and looks awesome anyway. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be fun to watch, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, we're getting ready to mark uh, card number five next week. Yes. So. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now, Still on a well, still on Doom Patrol stuff, the beloved Doom Patrol stuff. Uh, <laughs> but on a little bit of a tangent, uh, we're going to do a quick shout out to a couple of Kickstarters uh, involving some of the Doom Patrol creative family. First off, Paul Kupperberg is doing one uh, for his uh, Secret Romances and Lost Jungle Tales comics. Uh, so this one, uh, it actually ends on uh, Thursday, April 18th, so it may have just finished by the time uh, this episode goes to where. We have got Wilfred uh, to do some retweets of it on Twitter. We'll get him to do the same on Facebook. But yeah, uh, Paul Kupperberg's Secret Romances. It's got uh, seven stories in there, uh, f- two of which are brand new. It's got a cover by Steve Lytle. Uh, it's got Jose Luis Garcia Lopez doing stuff in there. Bless his name. Praise his name. Uh, Dean Haspiel. uh, Joe Staten does stuff in there as well. So, uh, you know, just over half a dozen uh, romance comic stories in there uh, from Paul. And then the the other book that's involved with this is uh, actually something that was meant to appear in Archie Comics' Blue Ribbon Comics anthology-type series back in 1985 uh, in issue 15 of that series, but the series got terminated with issue 14, so it never saw the light of day. Uh, and so it's become, with an agreement with Archie Comics, uh, they've been able to go ahead and publish this story anyway, and they've retitled it as Lost Jungle Tales starring Catgirl, who was uh, created by Paul Kupperberg, and she's kind of a, a Sheena 
Queen of the Jungle type character. So wow. that looks really cool. The other Kickstarter we're going to give a quick mention to is one called Deadbeats, which is a horror and music anthology. Uh, and uh, it, the reason it's of interest to us is that one of the stories in there is written by Rachel Pollack with art by Richard Case. What? So again, yeah, I know, I know. It's the first time that they have worked together in 25 years. So we uh, actually got the chance to speak with uh, one of the editors on this, uh, Joe Corallo, uh, about this Kickstarter. So let's get Wilfred to play that tape now. And so, yes, uh, we're following up on some exciting Kickstarter news that's uh, come out into the, the World Wide Webs of late. And, and I'm joined by Joe Corallo, who is a freelance editor and writer. Uh, and Joe's done, you've done some work on some Kim and Kim comics by Mags yep. Pizzaggio. Uh, you've written mm-hmm. She Said Destroy, and uh, you also did the, the Mine anthology. Um, yes. So, Joe, what brings you to our show today? Well, um... First off, I'm a, I'm a big Doom Patrol fan, so that's, Hooray! that's certainly part of it. But um, the the latest Kickstarter I'm doing right now, I'm organizing another uh, comics anthology, and uh, I'm doing it with uh, my co-editor, Eric Palicki, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote uh, No Angel Over Black Mask and edited uh, Away Blue World's previous two anthologies, this is called Dead Beats. It's a music-themed horror anthology, and our, you know, sort of like the big highlight for it is that we're teaming Rachel Pollock and Richard Case back up together again for the first time in over 25 years. Yeah, I, I have to ask, how did that come about? <laughs> you know, so when it comes to Richard, I had been a you know fan of Doom Patrol and all that for a while. And a um, good friend of mine, uh, Martha Thomas's, who has an interesting career in comics. She had created uh, Dakota North, who's a, a bit of an obscure uh, Marvel character. Yeah, yeah. But and, and she worked on the ad campaign for the death of Superman and all that at DC. Oh, wow. Interesting career. Yeah. yeah she, she's really interesting. And um, she actually owns the last page from Grant Morrison and Richard Case's run. Wow. With, uh, yeah, she owns that, and it's hanging in her home of uh, Robot Man and, and Crazy Jane holding hands oh over the gosh. side. Oh, my It's, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, um, and, and she knew uh, Richard from her time at, at DC, because she was there in the early 90s when, when he was working on Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love that so much. I actually emailed Richard. This is going back a few years or so now. Yeah. Probably five or so years. I, I emailed Richard saying, you know, uh, my, my friend Martha owns the last page of Doom Patrol. <laughs> so I know I'll, I'll, so I'm like, I know I'll never get it. But would you be interested in doing a commission for me? reenact like doing a reenactment sort of is like just like a splash okay of yep. that scene where they're just holding hands standing there mm-hmm. and um and he loved the idea and he did it so um i have this gorgeous like fully watercolored like painting of oh wow of that done in like an 11 by 17 of, of richard and we had like kept in touch since then mm-hmm and, you know, have hung out in conventions and, and all of that and got to know each other. And then with Rachel, I had read her run, again, going back a few years. Mm. I had to, you know, I had to go around and 
get some lots on eBay and then go to some stores and pick off the missing yep. sort of issues to piece it all together. Mm-hmm. I, I know that feeling, and, yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I love that run so much, you, you know, and it's, um, I mean, one of the most tragic things about the run is it was so good towards the end, yeah. and that's when it ends. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like the Ted McKeever stuff. Yep. Is mind blowing. <laughs> yes, yes, you, you know, and and Ted McKeever also deserves more credit. I think in in Doom Patrol circles for the the amazing work he did, albeit you know only for about a year or so, but it yeah. was so groundbreaking, and, and, and I think kept pushing the boundaries in in the same vein, but even harder than like what what Grant was doing, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, and. I I just like cold emailed her. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, I reach I reached out to her years ago, just being like, you know, I just read your run, and you know, Doom Patrol was really great, and all this, and um, she she wrote back, and nice. um, and we had like corresponded that way for a while, and I um I write and contribute for different uh, sites. I've written for Comic Mix and Geek dot com and Geeks Out, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I ended up, you know, interviewing her and doing pieces about her and her run. And, um, she's, she comes down to the city every once in a while. She doesn't, she's, she's not terribly far out from the city. So I, I, I've gone to see her and, you know, it's, and, you know, we sort of developed a a real good friendship. So having that and, and sort of build that, that relationship together, I had both of them. In uh, the mine anthology, just doing separate stories that weren't working together. Mm-hmm. So, since I already roped them both into an anthology before, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you know, I, I was like, what, "What do you think about this?" And, and um, Rachel was like, "I'd love to work with Richard again." And Richard was like, "I'd love to work with Rachel again." And it just oh, worked out. Wow, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah as you said, it's like twenty-five years easily since they've mm-hmm. uh, worked together. So. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm very keen to see what they come out with in this new anthology. So I have backed the Kickstarter today, uh, yeah. just before we recorded. So I'm very excited about that. But can you tell us what the inspiration was for the anthology? Because for those who aren't aware, and we're going to get Wilfred to do some, um, social media shout, shout out soon. Uh, Deadbeats <laughs> is a, a music and horror anthology. So I'm intrigued as yeah. to what, what was the inspiration behind putting those two together? You know, it was something I was sort of uh, thinking of in terms of, I love horror anthologies. Mm-hmm. You know, I love horror as a genre. And, um, you know, I especially love like a lot of the old, like creepy, eerie, Tales from the Crypt, you know, Vault yep. Keeper, all that stuff. Yep. And... I know that, like, some people have, like, there's some uh, comics that do some homage to that. Um, What was, I'm trying to, uh, Modern Dread, uh, kind of, that was a kick-started horror anthology from a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. Okay. And that, it did the same sort of thing in terms of, like, it was, like, people sitting around telling stories at, like, a house party. Right. You, You know, and I had backed that, and I read that, and I enjoyed that. But I was like, I kind of want something that's, you know, really more like Tales from the Crypt and really like I want this host character and I want this sort of creepy thing. And um, I, I've always I've also always liked um, characters like, you know, like Madame Xanadu and um, mm-hmm. Doorway to, the old Doorway to Nightmare comics, Yep. you know, where she's basically like the host character and 
they just come into like her creepy little pawn shop and <laughs> yeah. you, you know and and I love that stuff and I was like okay well what if we you know sort of do this anthology where it's it's like a crypt keeper type character but it's all in a music shop mm. and the different things they sell like the different kind of artifacts and things that would be in the shop are going to be parts of the stories so we can kind of link everything together yep. but still give creators the freedom to kind of do whatever they want mm-hmm. and because um, i find you know having edited an anthology before and, and knowing some people who have you get the best from creatives when you kind of let them do what they want to do within some confines okay you know you know because you want it's it's this balancing act of you want to you want to give people enough to work with but not so much that they don't feel like they're telling their story yeah yeah you you know and and i know there are some anthologies out there it's it's a little more difficult when it's like you're trying to get people to tell your story i didn't want to do that I, i wanted creatives to have fun to yeah. to enjoy what they're doing because you know no one's going on vacation off of the the money <laughs> off of like doing four pages of a comic book you right. know like, yeah. but those sort of things like a, a lot of creators enjoy kind of being like oh I can do a few pages or you give me a few months and it, it gets it, it allows know, them to it lets them flex their creative muscles I guess and still yeah, fit within. Absolutely. The parameters you guys have given them, I guess. So, because yeah, yeah. It, the the I'm I'm loving the art by uh, Lisa Stirl, who's doing the interstitial mm-hmm. um, illustrations for the shopkeeper and yes. and the deadbeat style, and that looks so cool. And then you've got uh, some yeah. some other tales there, like you've got a guy playing a saxophone, and his hands mm-hmm. start turning into claws. <laughs> it's like what yes. the hell? So- <laughs> yes, that's uh, the the cursed saxophone of Skasferatu is Ooh. the name of. <laughs> of, of that story and right. um yeah wow. so 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 that should be a, a that, that's a good one i'm really looking forward to uh dan buska is a a fairly new artist i think um mm-hmm. who who's on board but his work's gorgeous so yeah so it really worked out you know and then um you know, I know we've got some absolutely bonkers stories that i i can't wait for people to see we've got um you know, Dan, Daniel Kibblesmith, um, mm-hmm. he's doing this story that's sort of about the, the creepy, nerdy guy at a concert that's, like, you know, stalking a girl because, oh. you know, she likes the music that he likes. So, of course, she wants to talk to him. And um, because of the nature of a book like this, this that does not go very well for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you, you, you know, so, so we've got... We, we, we've got some stories like that, and, and we've also got some really, like, you know, kind of, like, personal kind of touching stories in it, too, that kind of okay. break it up, that are more based on the supernatural elements without it necessarily being horrific, like, the kind of things that are happening, like dealing with supernatural and ghosts are, are scary, but... It, it, the focus isn't the horror; it's the sort of the emotions of it. And, nice. You know, I, I, I think I think there'll be a lot of different you know kind of things there that that people will be able to enjoy, and that there's kind of like, d- despite the fact that 
you know, music themed horror is very like specific. Yeah. There, are, there's actually a fairly wide range of different kinds of stories and, and different things and uh, that people are going through. And like, um, my, like my story involves a uh, a possessed poster, which was somewhat inspired by James Robinson's Starman run with the demonic poster. Wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, and uh, which which is also one of my favorite things is James Robinson's <laughs> Starman Run. I, I've probably aged myself a little bit. Oh, it's teed people fine. in. <laughs> it's uh, fine. You know, it's like fine. Grand Snow Patrol Run and Starman. Hmm. Oh. But <laughs> you know, but it's all good. It's all good. Well, well look, I, to to take it back a little bit to Doom Patrol, all time favorite run for you. Which would it be? It's tough, and and I have this difficulty with with stuff like Doctor Who as well, where you know people are like favorite Doctor and all of that, and I have a hard time not saying like Patrick Troughton, but <laughs> in in part because the show literally wouldn't exist if Patrick Troughton wasn't successful. True, mm. uh, it, it, you know. So so we can get back to that because like there is, I, I mean, it's hard to not say Grant's run, but. The original Silver Age run nice is, is so gorgeous mm-hmm. and groundbreaking. And I'm a big X-Men fan. Okay. But I think, and, and this may be a hot take, if you will. <laughs> I, I, I think the Silver Age Doom Patrol run stands up better than that Silver Age X-Men run pre-Claremont. Yep. You know, I, I think the, the stories are tighter. Um, the, the, the art is just so gorgeous and groundbreaking. Like Bruno's art is so like, you know, he, he did so, so many weird and amazing things. Mm -hmm. And it's like heartbreaking that we talk about people like Jack Kirby and, and, and Steve Dick going away. We don't talk about, you know, artists like, like Bruno. Yeah. And just the kind of stuff. Arnold Drake was was doing, mm-hmm. you know, um, one element from from Doom Patrol that I don't see used enough, and I wish I saw more of that. I thought was so interesting in the Silver Age run was that whole like side story for for several issues where Cliff was like trying to see his brother again, and oh, okay. he'd show up in like the trench coat with the hat, and like was like trying to like sneakily like go through society so he could get to like his brother and his wife and all that. And, and, and I thought that was really interesting stuff that I, I, I wish we'd see like more of that in the other comics. Cause like it doesn't really come up that much or in certainly in any substantial way in any other run mm. than it did in that silver age. Run. Yeah. And this is where I'll get a little fan fiction on you. <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I told I did tell Richard Case this, and he did like this idea <laughs> of, like, doing a one-shot sort of comic of... You know the um, the, the one issue in Grant's run where uh, Robot Man has to go into Crazy Jane's mind to save her? Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite runs. Uh, one of my favorite issues, rather, in that run. And I thought it would be really interesting to do a reversal of that where Robot Man is broken and it's crazy Jane that has to go inside his mind to 
reactivate ah. him. And when Crazy Jane does, one of the people she runs into is Cliff's brother. Okay. And, and to do this whole thing, and, you know, then you, you do it where, you know, she does reactivate Cliff, and Cliff asks where Crazy Jane is, and Crazy Jane isn't there. She's still gone. It was just the memory of Crazy Jane that saved him. And, like, do, do like, an interesting... Ah, uh, yeah. You, you know. Nice. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, Gerard, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Have you managed to catch any of the TV show yet? Uh, I am a few... I'm like two episodes behind. I got up to the the one with with uh, Celsius and Lodestone and uh, okay, Mentalo. Okay. Yep. Um, that's a, the last yeah. episode I watched, and um, okay. uh, I I genuinely am honestly blown away by the show. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's it's so. I mean, I knew I was going to be in favor of it given the property uh, and my obvious bias, but. The the production of it, the the writing, everything has been top notch. I, I honestly don't think they've set a foot wrong yet. Yes, so, I, I mean, yeah, I was expecting for them to kind of play it more safe, and for me to sort of mm-hmm. be like, I wish they'd embrace the craziness a bit more, but I get it. And it's yep. the exact opposite of that. It's like they're going so far, and they're yes. push, they're pushing it so far. You know, in a way that, like, I was genuinely surprised how I felt that Titans stumbled out of the gate and then got their footing, like, halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like, Doom Patrol was amazing out the gate. And I'm just thinking yes. to myself, like, how do you not get Teen Titans, but you nail <laughs> Doom Patrol out the gate? Like, it... Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It's yeah, yeah. And, and it's the, like, yeah. Really, for for Titans for me was when they introduced Jason Todd, and then after that, mm-hmm. like I thought they really nailed him. It was great after that. I thought I thought all the stuff they were doing, like even even Hawk and Dove, like the first appearance of them, I was kind of like, eh. But then when they came back, it was a really great episode. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) You know? And, like, the first few episodes of Titans 2, like, sometimes the show would go for, like, 15 minutes before the the credits. (laughs) And I'm just like, what is happening? And then, like, after that, they started, like, really doing a tight turnaround of, like, okay, one quick scene, credits, go right into the episode. And I'm like, did someone, like start paying attention it was it was so baffling to me <laughs> yeah and, and i mean and uh, I, i'm a big fan of, of the wolfman perez the the early teen Titans stuff from them and you know it's been nice to see at least some elements of that but it looks like mm. next season they're really going into a lot of it personally I, i'd love to see them you know fight the fearsome five and do goofy shit with like dr light and simon but you never know. Yeah, you, never know. you never know. Yeah. Now, speaking of being blown away, and this is probably going to be a difficult question, mm-hmm. considering you probably don't want to pick favourites, but which of the stories from the Deadbeats anthology like totally blew you away when you came in? Like, which which have been your favourites so far that you've seen? Yeah, I, I mean, I can answer this fine because I have the caveat of 
I haven't gotten all of the art back yet, so okay. I can change my mind. But based on the <laughs> scripts and the art I've seen so far, I mean, um, the, the story that Ivy Noelware and Christina Steen's uh, Stuart mm-hmm. are doing together, and they did that archival quality uh, graphic novel at Only Press together, mm-hmm. and that just won the Dwayne McDuffie Award uh, a couple months ago. The story they gave was really chilling. Oh, okay. And it was, it was, you know, and for someone to tell a truly chilling story in six pages. Wow. It's okay. a lot. And, and I, w- I was genuinely very impressed and, and it's, it's done in a way in like, some more of that like classic kind of horror. Like it's not gory. It's not, it's not jump scary. It's not like, Oh, there's this creature here. It's, it's just this like terror. Like it's, it's such an uncomfortable story about this oh, okay. you know, like girl going to school. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's like, she going to this school and like her friends and her, they like kind of like all dare each other to go to this like, part of this like school like outside the school that's supposed to be like this like haunted like part that was like closed down and it's okay it's it's just genuinely creepy <laughs> and excellent and, and I, I really I, I really think they they did a a great job like hitting that tone but you know there, there's a lot of stuff we have coming in that's you know incredible they're honestly there isn't anything I don't like, and, and I mean, the that's partly because you have that benefit when you're curating an anthology of uh, not asking creators that you think won't be able to handle it, and then yeah. being able to edit the scripts when they come in. So Eric and I have had that benefit where, you know, we've been able to make everything nice and, and tight, and... Um, you know, but but yeah, that that story for for the kind of horror I like, because I I do love a lot of that like creepy, like atmospheric kind of. Yeah, sometimes that is the best horror when it's not so much in your face with blood and guts everywhere. But the, yeah, the the creeping terror is sometimes the best stuff there. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely, but but yeah, and there's plenty of creepy monsters. There's plenty of other things that that'll affect you in different ways. You, you know, there, there's some great stories. There's at least, you know, there's at least two stories that have, uh, bugs and, and creepy crawlies and, and, and things like that. And that's, that's always something that's gotten to me too. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing, like, you know, I'll have nightmares about that where like, there's <laughs> oh, you know, like a bug crawling on me or something like yeah. that. You know? yep. so that, I mean, that kind of stuff gets to me. But yeah. Excellent. Cool. Well, we might wrap it up there. Joe, where can people find you uh, and uh, more Kickstarter details online? Please feel free to follow me on Twitter. I'm just at Joe Corallo. And uh, Instagram, I'm at Corallo Joe. Um, I'm more active on Twitter. If you want to find out more on Deadbeats, um, you can go to... We, we created a uh, easy little uh, link to redirect people. Um mm-hmm. It's A-W-B-W, as in a wave, blue world, kickstarter.com. So A-W-B-W, kickstarter.com, redirects you right to Deadbeats. 
Um, you have, yeah, as, as of right now, we, we have over $9,000 of the 25,000 USD pledged. Yep. So we're, we're well on our way. We still have four weeks left. Um, you know, so we're, we're feeling good about it. Obviously, the more we get past goal, the more we can do some fun stuff. You know, we, Mm. we want to, we want to be able to add things, you know, uh, more things like mini prints. And we've had, we've already had some other artists reach out to us being like, you know, if there's, if there's anything I can do to help, cause this is a great project. So, I mean, cool. yeah. So, so that's something that, um, people to, you know, please check out, share, retweet, feel free to follow a wave blue world on Twitter as well. And, uh, yeah, no, we'd, we'd appreciate all the support. And if you're a doom patrol fan, I'm a Doom Patrol fan. We got Rachel and Richard. It's going to be great. <laughs> it, yeah, it's gonna, it's an exciting project, and I'm really looking forward to to getting the finished product in my hands. So, uh, Joe, thanks so much for for coming on and and chatting with us today. And uh, we'll throw it back to Paul. Great, thanks so much. That sounds awesome. Awesome, Mike mm. and Joe. Mm. Uh, what's that? What's the ticking? Uh, guess what? Doom clock. What? I know, right? Gets you every time. okay so we look at the base of the doom clock it tells us it's been just over 22 weeks since we had a new doom patrol book on the shelves that being issued 12 of volume 6 from gerard way jeremy lambert dan mcdade tamara bonvilla nick darrington todd klein molly mayhan and mark doyle and that issue saw the Reynolds family fighting to free the Demonscape from Margoth the Demon Lord. And we discussed it back in episode 131. Issue 13... No, not issue 13. Issue 1, I apologise, is at this stage scheduled for July 3rd, 2019. Oh. I know. I know. Just 11 weeks away, Paul. What a time to be alive. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It is. Now, I, I'm going to say... Uh, look, I get some people's scepticism and um, uh, pessimism, but when we got Wilfred to post that info online, there are a few people saying things along the lines of, well, I'll believe it when I see it, and, you know, I'll believe it when it's in my hands. I'm like, come on, guys, let's, you know, let's stay optimistic. Yeah. You know? They don't announce until these things are real. I mean, yeah. 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 You know, it's. I, I think they the creative team have learned their lesson from the previous Young Animal run. Yeah, I so. mean, it's good that DC is still behind their efforts. And, yes, know, exactly. Presume that the uh, the show and the trades, it's it's a winner. Mm, yeah. So uh, there we go. Mark your calendars, gang. Uh, 11 weeks till we see uh, issue one of volume seven, as we're calling it. It has to be volume seven. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so we're very much looking forward to that. I can't wait to see how Robot Man deals with being man-man. Human-man. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Paul, are you now ready for your favourite quiz show, the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game? I am, yes. All right, I have my eight-sided die here. Ooh. I'm going to roll it. Okay. And later on, I will take a picture and get Wilfred to post it, showing the... Issue in question, and the number on the die. And it is... <gasps> shit, it's a two. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Okay, I'll... I'll, okay, I'll, I'll... No, 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 I can do it, I can do it. You, you can do it? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, so, my okay. first question is, what are four interesting things about this comic? <laughs> oh, 
Okay. Um, four interesting things. It's a landmark issue. Oh, okay. It introduces a villain that we don't see a lot of. Right. It's a fairly cheap comic. Oh, okay. And I think it's interesting that I own a copy of it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A landmark issue. Mm. Okay, so... uh, So, is it like a... And this is my last question. <laughs> it is. It is. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll let you ask your second question, but okay. I will. I will then give you a bonus hint, teasery thing. Okay. <laughs> a villain you don't see much of, and hmm, and it's fairly cheap. Mm. In, in terms of of its cover price. Cover price, not a, not in terms of its value. No, 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 no. It's, it's. I look. I'll, I'll say I paid a lot more for this than it that cover price. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I might. Uh, okay. Is it uh, volume one? Yes. Is it uh, the first appearance of Animal Vegetable Mineral Man? The first issue of Doom Patrol. <laughs> Is that two questions in one? No, that they're the same comic. Are they though? Uh, oh no, they're off by one, aren't they? <laughs> I, I, I will let you ask. Okay, 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 so your second question was: Is it volume one? Yes, yes. it is. And okay. then I, I assume that that double banger question at the end was your submission for your final answer. Yes. I will let you resubmit your final answer. Is it the first ever comic to have Doom Patrol on the as the title? No. Ah. But it is the yeah. first appearance of the Doom Patrol. Oh, wow. Because this week is the 56th anniversary... Sorry, I had to do some quick maths there in my head. <laughs> ...of the Doom Patrol. Wow. Going on sale for 12 cents American on April 18th, 1963, with a cover date of June of that year was issue 80 of My Greatest Adventure. Good golly. This comic contained a story titled The Doom Patrol, uh, brought to us by Arnold Drake, Bruno Premiani, and Bob Haney, and introduced us to the Chief, Robot Man, Elastigirl, and Negative Man as they race to stop General Immortus, the villain we don't see very much of, um. from obtaining a super weapon within a crashed alien spaceship. Happy birthday, Doom Patrol. Beloved Doom Patrol. Hooray. Hooray. We covered this issue way, way, way back in episode five from January of 2015, Paul. Good luck. So you can check that episode out for further details, perhaps by locating it in the volume one Doom dossier found on waitingfordoom.com. It's an easy way to track it down and and hear our thoughts. Actually, in that episode, we covered the first five issues of... um, of the Doom Patrol's appearance. So we covered uh, issues 80 to 85 of My Greatest Adventure. Those were the days, and we had all the time in the world to <laughs> talk about <laughs> more than two issues at, at once. So, um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I was trying to think of, hang on, why is this week an important one? And then it dawned on me. And I was thinking, if Paul realises the date, he will get this so easily. You were so close. So uh-huh. close, so. 
Anyway, that is it for the Doom Clock this week. For years, the Fire and Water Podcast Network has found its joy talking about comics. From Aquaman and Firestorm to Batman and Plastic Man. From giant treasuries to pocket-sized digests. From massive miniseries events to singular one-shot adventures. From romance to horror to whatever the hell Ohatmu or not is. In the last year, they've begun to carve a path through their favorite television shows, such as MASH, Cheers, and Justice League Unlimited. And there's no sign of them stopping. What medium will fire and water conquer next? Introducing Fire and Water Records, the music anthology podcast from the Fire and Water Network. Find your joy in all new ways as members of the Fire and Water Network and their friends discuss favorite songs, albums, concerts, and artists. Hang on, I've been doing a music show for two years. Featuring Record Revolution. Join the Brothers Daily as we catalog the essential years that shaped popular music and our own lives. A very daily Christmas. An annual celebration of our favorite holiday tracks. Plus, all new episodes of Zoom for Sam. The show in which I share my joy of Samantha Fox by spotlighting a single single every single episode. And Pod Dylan. No, not Pod Dylan. We discussed this. That's staying on its own feed. Not Pod Dylan, but everything else I said. Plus, so much more. There's even a chance David Ace Gutierrez will show up. Which brings us back to Fastball, which is really one of the most interesting American bands in the world today. When you think about the number of side projects and solo projects associated with the band, it actually almost out. Fire and Water Records, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And now it's time for the part of the show called Doomsplaining, where we explain lots and lots of cool stuff about the beloved Doom Patrol. And this week, it's a fan- not only is it the Doom Patrol's birthday, beloved as much as they are, but it's also kicking off Volume 5. We finally get to Volume 5, one of the best volumes, in my opinion, of the beloved Doom Patrol of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, kick us off and tell us all about Issue 1 of Volume 5, please. Okay, so issue one of volume five, it has a, it's a very interesting cover. It's got the Doom Patrol, uh, well, three members of the Doom Patrol. It has Rita, Cliff, and Larry, and they're sort of bursting through the pages of another issue of the Doom Patrol, which is mm. issue 109 from the, uh, 1960s. So, yeah. yeah, so you can see a little bit of the corner copy where it says, uh, something about Mandred the Executioner, one of their, yep, uh, all time favorite villains. <laughs> Another villain we don't see a lot of. Actually, yeah. even less than we see yeah. of Immortus. Yes, yeah. and in the other corner, it's got um, Rita trying to break up a fight between Mento and Negative Man. <laughs> and she's saying, Steve, Larry, stop that stupid scrapping. Mandred's breaking free. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, but um, cool cover. Um, and it's by Matthew Clark, who is the artist on this volume. And, mm. uh, yeah, and one thing about this comic is it has a second feature, which is the Metal Men. So they're appearing in the backups. So, mm. 
Yeah, but we won't talk about those. They're separate. But uh, there is a second cover for this comic, a variant, which showed Rita in uh, pretty much being King Kong on uh, a giant building and um, <laughs> yeah. fighting some planes. And all the planes are actually made up of the metal men who uh, are made from different types of metal. Mm. And they can assume different shapes. And in this cover, they're assuming the sh- shapes of biplanes. So. Yep. And that's a really cool cover. It's very cool, yeah. Yeah, I looked at that and go, why don't I own that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's get into the comic. It's uh, Doom Patrol number one. Woo! So Woo! This was, and this came out, uh, cover dated October 2009. Uh, but it was actually on sale in August the 5th, 2009. It had a cover price of $3.99, which is a pretty serious price. Mm. Mm. But anyway, it uh, the main story is called We Who Are About to Die. It's written by Keith Giffen, penciled by Matthew Clark, inked by John Livesay, lettered by Patrick Brusso, and coloured by Guy Major, and uh, all edited by Elizabeth G. Gerlane. And I hope I've got all those names right. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, let's get into it. And uh, my synopsis today comes from uh, dcfandom.com wiki and also uh, brought to you by the fact that I was incredibly busy this week. So. <laughs> so, thank you to them. Yes. The Doom Patrol are assigned to infiltrate a secret base at Buena Suerte where they discover a breeding ground for biological constructs that uh, resemble purple monsters, uh, which were created by Dr. Amanda Beckett. Beckett confronts the team and begins to strip in front of them before transforming into an insect-like creature called Botfly. Yeah, mm. Botfly. Mm. There's a few gags there I could go to. But anyway, um, she indicates that a biological link between the impregnator and the host was the critical factor. Um, as the newly alerted military forces move in, the Doom Patrol is attacked by the parasites, or the purple monsters. Um, Rita quells the Doctor's attack and Negative Man destroys the remaining pods of parasites. As the patrol run to escape in their helicopter, uh, and this I should point out who is into the patrol, who is in the patrol at this point. We have Cliff Steele, we have Rita Farr, we have Larry, Negative Man, and we also have two holdovers from Volume Four. We've got Nudge and Grunt. Nudge, uh, the girl with the incredible powers, except except in this issue, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Grunt, the forearm gorilla. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yes. So as they're about to escape in the helicopter, Nudge is machine gunned to death. (laughs) Sorry, I I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) That's that's terrible. Um, And Grant is horrified and runs off with her remains into the forest. Henry? Uh, Come back, Henry! (laughs) Uh, Neg Man destroys some of the attack copters, but leaves one for a robot man. However, Elasti Woman swats it down easily in giant form. Uh, Does she ever? Mm. And the remainder of the team return to their new base on Oolong Island, where uh, Father Leslie, who also seems to be known by the name Rocky, uh, tries to counsel them on the loss of Nudge. Cliff reacts coldly about Nudge's death, while Larry mocks uh, Leslie's sincere attempts by making a pretend confession about the sin of lust when he saw Amanda Beckett uh, stripping before returning to his (laughs) Call of Duty video game. And Father Leslie tries to start a conversation with Rita at a cafe, but Rita doesn't want to talk because she knows that Chief sent Father Leslie to assess the team. Father Leslie reports to the Chief and informs him that the team has no regard for the loss of their own or other lives. Uh, The Chief views the Doom Patrol as an effective means to an end, and their lack of empathy keeps them focused. Father Leslie refuses to let the Doom Patrol sink further into this dark void. 
so Rita returns to her home on the island and takes a shower. Bumblebee sits in her little dollhouse. So this is Bumblebee, Karen from uh, the Teen Titans, and uh, yeah, who showed up in uh, the Jeff Johns uh, Doom Patrol story in Teen Titans. Yeah, uh, but she's tiny. She's stuck in tiny mode after Infinite Crisis. So uh, Karen complains that another flying roach came into her home and she beat it to death with a kitchen chair, a tiny kitchen chair, point out. <laughs> and Rita asked if Karen's stuck miniature situation has improved, to which Karen replies that she's at least stable at this size now. Uh, Rita assures Karen that the chief will find a way to reverse the process when he isn't tied up on his other mad experiments. Rita does confess to Karen that what happened to Nudge was unfair and they shouldn't have left Grunt behind with Nudge's body. Rita takes her mind off things by offering to make an omelette for her and Karen. Meanwhile, the Chief is contacted by Dr Ackerman, who is in charge of the Vulcan Collider, a device that could bring about a doomsday event that will involve the production of a microscopic black holes. Uh, Dr. Ackerman reports that the Collider has successfully created a miniature singularity. Dr. Ackerman is shocked that the singularity hasn't destroyed the planet, and the Chief is shocked as well because the existence of the black hole would never have been documented in time due to the laws of physics. Ackerman reports that Dr. Kale will be furious with both of them because the black hole wants to negotiate terms. <gasps> <laughs> The chief is intrigued by this turn of events, a singularity that thinks and plots. And that's the end of the issue. Oh. Oh. Okay. Aren't they an angry team? <laughs> yes. Yes, they are a little bit, little bit angry. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm used to the Doom Patrol being sort of at odds with each other and slightly dysfunctional, but, uh, yeah, they really don't give it a tinker's cuss about <laughs> death of much at all. In fact, um, Rita says that she's jealous that um, you know Nudge is dead and she's not. Mm, which is a little bit depressing. Yeah. Uh, and and to be honest, um, Nudge and Grunt get pretty much dissed the entire way through. Yeah. That they appear in this, like when uh, Amanda Beckett uh, turns up and um, she is talking about uh, the, the patrol. Obviously, she knows who they are. She mentions, you know, Cliff and Larry and, and Rita and gives a very quick summation of each of their abilities. Uh, and then Nudge says to, to Beckett, uh, hello, we're here too. And she says, I don't concern myself with incidentals. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wow. It's just, yeah. that's cold. Yeah. So, yeah. But look, when I first read this, uh, I... I got this when it first came out back in the day, uh, and I had missed completely all of Burn stuff, so I had no idea who um, <laughs> Nudge and Grunt were, and I was kind of like, oh, wow, they got killed off really quickly. Uh, I wonder what the story is there. But they were never mentioned again. I didn't really miss much, as it turns out. So, yeah, yay. Yeah. And I, I misremembered. I thought um, Grunt died as well. And when I read it, I said, oh, he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm in the same boat. I, I thought they... Well, I, I thought he got wounded in some way. I, I remembered him carrying her off, but I thought, they, yeah, they both... I thought I knew she died. I thought he got hurt as well. So, which then makes me wonder if... <laughs> and maybe I'm giving um, the Volume 7 creative team a, a free plot thread here. But you know how a lot of Doom Patrol villains turn out to be someone who's been wronged 
by the chief or the patrol. Yep. I wonder if we'll ever see Grunt getting his revenge. You know, <laughs> he'll come back with even more arms and even angrier. You know, and yep. he'll be angry as hell Henry or something. Who knows? So, <laughs> um, and I also found it interesting that um, the priest on on the island uh, was Rocky Davis from the Challenges of the Unknown. Yeah, so the, this is like the uh, the four adventurers who all wear purple jumpsuits and go into volcanoes and you know fight monsters and that sort of stuff. So mm. yeah, he's now um, uh, become a minister and is uh, he's pretty much acting like an army chaplain to the team, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So very concerned about their well being, um, and he has uh, arranged with Niles. Niles is fairly reluctant to let him uh, talk to the team, but uh, he agreed that. You know, the pros outweigh the cons, as he said in one of the text pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's another thing about this issue is it has these tiny little um, green on black <laughs> bits of writing that explain things all the way through. And uh, this is a comic you need your glasses for. <laughs> but, one, but once you have them on, they, they, I think they really do add to, to this series because you're looking at the Chief's Files on the patrol members because it, yeah. it's, you know, instructions he's given himself or the, or the reader as to how to manipulate the team. Yeah. Did you see what was on the chief's laptop? The Doompedia thing? Yeah, but it basically says that, um, you know, Larry <laughs> almost got infected by, um, you know, Amanda Beckett's, you know, experiments and, mm. oh, that was a wasted opportunity that that didn't happen. Yep. Right That's from- messed up, isn't it? <laughs> Right from the first issue, they are saying that the chief is not a good guy from the yeah. get-go. Not not quite as overt as, you know, the, the Morrison stuff after the big reveal and that, but there's there's a shady element from the first issue of this volume. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And they, I, if I'm remembering correctly, they sort of do clarify this and mention this more. But in this issue... The, the the scene where Rita jumps out of the helicopter uh, that they're escaping on and, you know, she embiggens herself and smashes that, that enemy helicopter. And, and Larry and Cliff are saying to each other, you know, remind me why we need, why she even needs us. And Cliff says, the same reason, you know, we need her. And I think that's because they've all sort of quietly agreed that someone needs to keep an eye on Niles Calder and mm. it's going to have to be them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, let's talk about Doom Patrol fashions for a little bit. So uh, okay. Cliff doesn't wear a jacket or a shirt in this issue. He's wearing basically bike pants. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> Except on the cover where he's wearing a T-shirt with the question, Renee yeah. Montoya question on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But this is, um, this, the, this is the introduction of the classic look for Larry, which the TV show has pretty much picked up on. Yeah. Yeah where he wears lots of khaki and sort of cargo-y type pants and, Mm -hmm. you know, browns and greens. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's quite a bitter Larry. It's it's not exactly the same as the TV show, but, uh, yeah, it's it's recognisable, the characterisation here. And some of the uh, Matthew Clark's drawings of Rita look straight out of the uh, TV show, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And and also some of her lines in it as well. I can hear April Balby saying those lines uh, with the exact wording. So it's, this is a, yeah, it's a great start 
to Volume 5. I also have to point out, uh, getting back kind of the fashion stuff, uh, this is a volume that has the uh, the DP uh, team communicator badge logo things, whatever you want to call them, that I got tattooed on my arm. <laughs> because yes, I love it so very much. So, this is the small D with an uppercase P next yes. to it. Yeah, yeah very yeah, cool. Very cool. Yes, and we, um, Mike and I, often in our uh, electronic communications, write DP like that. Yeah, yeah, because hmm. that's what the cool kids do, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> us too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I also really like Matthew Clark's design of Robot Man in this. I love the fact that he has a small sort of you know hard antenna on one side of his head. Um, he looks kind of sleek but muscular still, even though he's wearing bike pants that say DP as well on them. It's it's yeah. a little bit weird, but yeah, it's uh, it looks so good. It's, it's I love Matthew Clark's art in this. It's so cool. Yeah, and these issues are on uh, Comixology if you want to read along with us. Mm. Yeah. yeah, highly recommend them. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's it's a fairly damaged Doom Patrol, and they're sort of yeah. It looks like there's going to be a bit of an arc of uh, them learning to care again, mm-hmm. but, or maybe not. But um, it, this does make me remember a story from uh, when I went to Heroes Con. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you went to Heroes Con? Uh, I did go to Heroes Con. Okay, yeah. okay. Funny, yeah. funny you should ask. But yeah, there was a, uh, a sort of a session where Keith Giffen was answering questions and he talked a bit about his career. It was hosted by Michelle Fife, our, our friend of the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was fantastic. But um, I actually asked him a question. I said, when you took over the Doom Patrol, you know, did, were you, was it important to you to integrate the history of the Doom Patrol? And he said, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it meant a bit to him to have, you know, all the, the backstory of the Doom Patrol count. He said something about how he wanted to respect it all, and I said, but you put in uh, Nudge and Grunt and then killed them off. And he said, yeah, well, fuck John Byrne. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Yeah. Harsh but fair. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I, it also reminds me of a story when I went to Heroes Con uh, oh. one time. Um, I, I don't know if you knew that I'd been to Heroes Con. Um, as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, all the cool kids doing it, and us, and um, I actually got uh, a commissioned piece from Matthew Clark of Robot Man with his bike pants, and he was looking very damaged, um, and I will post it up later, um, I know some people have seen it, uh, newer listeners to the show will not have, but you will definitely want to take a drink, because <laughs> he's, he's quite damaged, but again, it's it's such a cool cool look. I love this look of Robot Man in this series. I love the look of all of them uh, in this series. So uh, I'm so glad we finally got to Volume 5 because so much cool stuff happens. And, and and this issue, right from the first issue, it kicks off Larry's fear of pelicans. <laughs> yes, he does, mention, <laughs> he does mention pelicans as being yes. one of his worries. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I can't remember if, if it's ever explained why, other than the, you know, the huge bills just freak him out. Um, oh. And, you know, fair enough. We we all have our own um, pet peeves. And <laughs> But it's pelicans. It's like, why? It's just... Yeah. <laughs> and I actually included pelicans on the bingo card. So. Oh, nicely done. <laughs> nicely done. Just in well, case it ever shows up. Yeah. Well, look, they've, they've got such a, a, a massive palette of stuff to work with on the TV show so bit of, with a bit of luck they'll get there you know mm. uh, 
So if you want to check out WaitingForDoom.com, we'll put up a few images from this issue. And, mm. Yeah, and maybe another picture of something else with a dice in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely will. It's it's their birthday. We've got it. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think we've doomed flame out. We have. Let's go. Now it's the part of the show that we call the Mailbag of Doom, where we look at the mail that's come in, but we're not talking literal mail because that was very... Well, that was a while ago. We're talking electronic communications, uh, like people get through Twitter and stuff and Facebook. It's, uh, I'm probably over-explaining this. <laughs> yeah, come on. We're not in doom-explaining anymore, mate. Just... Okay. Yes, but um, we did ask the question of the week on the last episode, which was, and it was provided by Sean Ross. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, check out his podcast, The Secret Wars is Over one, and uh, he's doing the What If one now. Yes. What if he did a podcast? That we what can, if indeed? You can hear it and find out. Um, he, but his question was, what is your favourite issue, miniseries, or ongoing from a writer who does not traditionally work in comics? So, yes, so we asked that, and these are the answers that we got. So we heard from Martin Gray, and he said, Batman film writer Sam Haynes, Blind Justice with Dennis Cowan in Detective Comics 598 to 600. Spectacular. That, I, yeah, I read that not too long ago. That's a very good story. I remember when that came out, and it was the hottest issue. It was right at the height of Batmania, and it was mm. like, ooh, you know, the, everyone wanted those comics. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. very exciting time. Mm, very cool stuff. We then heard from Ryan Daly at RyanDaly01 on the Twitters, and he said, Tanisi Coates Black Panther. Yeah, there was a, a lot of uh, fanfare for that, um, and it seems to have gone over really well with the fans. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, then we heard from Jeffrey Brown at Tosigo, and he said Paul Dini and his work with Bruce Tim and Glenn Murakami on various issues of the Batman Adventures. Growing up, to me, he was was always the writer of Batman the Animated Series, who has penned some memorable episodes, but I had no idea during the Morrison era of Batman how good he was going to be at writing Detective. Well, that is a good run. Yeah, have you got those, Mike? Uh, give me a ballpark figure number and I'll tell you. Uh, they're... Black and white painted covers, mostly. Uh, I've possibly got some of them. (laughs) Possibly. I've got... I have so many issues of Detective Comics that I haven't actually read. (laughs) It's it's a bit of a sickness. Yeah. I think they're somewhere in the late 700s, I would say. That would be my guess. But I may be wrong because I have a faulty memory. Oh, no. That's not good at all. Uh, (laughs) let's, Let's just... Let's say yes, I've probably got a couple of them. Now Hang I'm, gonna on. Have to go I'm and on check. Mike's Amazing World of Comics and I'm going to find out. So. Okay. While you do that, I'll check my comics database app, CLZ Comics, <laughs> and I'll let you know <laughs> exactly what issues I have of Detective oh. Comics Volume 1. Right. Geez, there's a lot of issues of Detective Comics. There are. There are. Uh, let's jump in there. Oh, okay. I think it's in the 800s. Yeah, I think it's around the mid-800s. Okay. Maybe I don't have so many of them. Uh, Let me see. In my collection, I have... Now, I've got sort of early 800s and very few mid-800s and some of the latter 800s. (laughs) Okay. There's a really good one where the Joker has um, Robin tied up in a car and he just drives him around. Oh, wow. really good. Yeah, really good issue. Really that good. doesn't sound Joker creepy at all. Yeah. So, um, okay, I will have to see if I've got them now. Um, 
wow, this mailbag's really gone off the rails, hasn't it? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jeffrey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, everyone just hold on a minute. I'm just going to go check my Detective Comics collection. No, 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 I won't. No. Uh, we then heard from Saul Bishop at Saul Bishop. Uh, he gave us, gave us three answers. Uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, John Michael Straczynski's Amazing Spider-Man, and Brad Meltzer's Identity Crisis. Oh, yeah. Good picks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad did um, a Green Arrow arc before that, which was very good. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, we heard from uh, Warsaw Cubicle Maven Heckle Tearwit, uh, and we call him Kevin mostly mm, when, yes. when we meet him. Uh, it's much more simple to call him that. Um, but he said, "I'll second Ryan Daly's answer of Tarnisi Coates on Black Panther and Captain America." Now, yeah, cool. That's, that's good, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jack Rocher at Old Fashioned Outlaw said, "Superman American Alien" by movie screenwriter Max Landis. That was very okay. good, actually, yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shocker, I've not read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Doug Zavisha, he said, uh, Stephen King's contribution to American Vampire got my attention. Then I stayed for Sn- Scott Snyder. I'd forgotten that King started out, uh, or, or, you know, kicked off American Vampire. I think he's helped. I think it was mostly uh, Snyder and King mm. was just helping out. But, oh, yeah. Okay. Good help if you can get it. This is true. Yeah, it's uh, it's help you wouldn't you know swat away from you. Yeah. Uh, Jay Powers at B Bay Bear Twenty Four said, "I know it can be controversial, but I have to say Brad Meltzer's Identity Crisis." Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, not heard of that one. Uh, <laughs> we heard from uh, Justice Trek Twenty Nineteen, which is Ted, and he said, "While the vast majority of Mark Avania's career has been writing for animation, he has written numerous comic books, and my favourite of those has been his work on Black Hawk." And uh, yes, Black Hawk, good. I would submit. What about Gru? Mm. Oh yes, mm. love Gru. Gru the Wanderer. Yep, yep. What a, mend- what a mendicant! Yes. <laughs> did did I err? Yeah, yes, you did, Gru. Yes, you did. <laughs> Just, oh God! Now I want to read some more Gru. Uh, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, aka Sean Ross. He's uh, answered us with, uh, that is a great question. Its author must be very handsome. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. I have to say the current Runaways book by Rainbow Rowell and Chris Anker on art. Rowell is one of my favourite authors and she's bringing life back to the franchise. It's actually better than Brian K. Vaughan's time on the book. Wow. Wow. That's good. Um, we heard from Dr. Ange at, uh, and he said Helen Slater's Supergirl story in Supergirl 50 and he put a I'd forgotten that she did a story in there I, I never knew this this was news to me and I thought you know what that's really cool that's cool that she got involved or, or got the opportunity to be involved in that that's super cool hmm. Hmm. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we then heard from uh, Wendy Freeman and I think this is the first time we've heard from Wendy thanks for joining us she's at DF Wendy on the Twitters, and she said, do we count Jared Way and Umbrella Academy? Ooh. I think so. I would think so, yeah. Because that was his, his first um, comic stuff. Yeah. No, really? That... Before he, um, you know, went on to Doom Patrol and that. Yeah, so, yeah. I'd yeah, definitely, definitely count that, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Yeah. Thank you. Wendy from the Double Page Spread, excellent uh, podcast. She interviews people. Okay. Very good job. Uh, we heard from the Page Turners podcast, and they said Kevin Smith's Daredevil. Yes, that was oh. a big deal, wasn't it? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sucker, I've not read it. Yeah. Did I scare Jared off Facebook this week with my <laughs> hurtful comments last week? Hang on, I've missed something here. What do you mean? <laughs> Usually we have Jared Driscoll respond via Facebook. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I said something about how Facebook was for old people. Uh, anyway. oh. Oh. I'm sorry, Jared. Come back, Jared. Come back. God, Paul, you're such a shit stirrer. I am. <laughs> All right, so which non-comic type person do you like for their comic type work? Um, my favourite, uh, well, it's probably not my favourite, but it's one that no one else mentioned and I think it's really notable, is Bob Gale, the writer of Back to the Future and his contributions to No Man's Land, where he'd kicked off the oh, whole wow. event by writing the special that started it all and wow. did a fantastic job. So, yeah, salute okay. to Bob Gale. Wow, nice choice. Hmm. Uh, another one I hadn't really dropped onto. Hmm. Okay. Mine, I'm going to go with a bit, a bit of a weird choice, and apologies if I get his name wrong, but it is China Mievel. Ah, yes, or yes. China Tom Mievel, purely for his work on the Dial H series from uh, 2012 to 2013. I really enjoyed that. Apparently, he's also done some stuff in Hellblazer and Justice League, but... Um, Shocker, I've not read... God, I've not read a lot of things on this episode. Um, or actually, he did uh, the Dial E um, supervillains. Remember that month where all the, the comics had the special moving covers and it was all the villains instead? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, <laughs> and he did uh, issue... Lenticular. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank God you're here, clever man. Uh, he did the... Uh, Issue 23.3 of Justice League from 2011 called Dial E. And it was um, Dial Q for Qued. And that was kind of like a, a villainous version of the Hero Doll. But anyway, his his uh, run of, of the Dial H series from a few years back. I really enjoyed that because it was really weird and really out there and had some really cool characters popping up. So in terms of, you know, the heroes that were called forth. They were, I want to go read that now. That's yeah, that's no, really good. Yeah, I've got it buried somewhere in a box. So, yeah, but yeah, that, that's that's who I I liked. Yeah, yeah. good, good work. Yeah. Some some cool choices all around. Thanks, gang. <laughs> Thanks, Sean, for that question. Very handsome man he is, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I believe we've come to the end of the show. So, next up on the feed, Paul, what's happening on DCOCD? Um, I believe we're doing the Countdown to Infinite Crisis, which is Ooh. the lead-up to that little event. And that is... When I say little, it's not little, it's huge. It's not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we're coming back with uh, more Doom Patrol Volume 5. So, Hooray! Yeah, and we're leading up to JL May, which uh, this year, you might hear about it soon, is on Blackest Night. Mm. So, yeah, so we'll be doing the Doom Patrol issues that tie into Blackest Night in May, coincidentally. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and do we have another question of the week for the next Waiting for Doom, Paul? We do. This one is, what comic, non-comic movie mashup story would you like to see made? So, okay, I need some clarification on this. Yes, you want to mash up between a comic and something else that's not a comic. Yeah, uh, as a movie. Yeah, so as a movie, as right. a movie. So, for instance, if you said I would really like to see "Singing in the Rain" done with, um, you know, the Suicide Squad. 
that sort of thing. And it would be called Suicide in the Rain. It, it could be, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's the best answer I could imagine right there. <laughs> Woo, my work here is done. I can take next question of the week off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. I could, no, I, I needed that clarification there, and I, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you very much. That is a very interesting question. I look forward to the answers <laughs> to that one. Anyway, that's the end of the show for this week, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again, Paul. Always a pleasure to talk to you about the beloved Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure, Mike, as always. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, if you want to email us, you can get in touch at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You can also check us out on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page at WFD Pod on Twitter. Say hi to Wilfred while you're there. You can also check out Doug's work on mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com and don't forget to check out waitingfordoom.com because it's an awesome site that Paul and I have put a shit ton of work into. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. As always, be good to each other, stay weird, don't be a crumb buff, and we will catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom. The beloved Doom Patrol. The beloved.